BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, I'm going to keep this simple. Welcome back to Straight Up with Stassi. I'm Stassi Schroeder-Clark. Let's do this. Okay, this is such a big deal. I have to say, I know I told you this when you walked through (laughs) my door, but I have to just say it again on air for everybody to hear. This is a moment in my, my podcasting career, in my career, that is going to be a highlight that like, it already is one. To have you in my house is a highlight in my life. And I am so humbled and so grateful. And it is just like truly an honor to have you here. And so for just like everybody else, I'd let me just say, so this is Jay Shetty and he is a number one New York Times bestselling author. Think like a monk. You have your own podcast on purpose. You do so much in the wellness space. The first time I heard about you was 2020 when we were all, all of us collectively were trying to do, you know, some inner work and trying to strive to be better. Me, like a lot, trying very, like doing a lot of work. And I watched your video about if the whole world were a hundred people, I watched it so many times. And that was just something that really stuck with me because that was one of the first moments that I felt like, wow, I'm really understanding my privilege right now and just how far ahead I am in life because of where I was born what I look like, who my parents are, all of that. And just to like have you here right now is just such a big deal. So thank you for I, being here. I just want to say, I don't know what I deserve to get such a kind, warm introduction into oh, your home. And no, I mean, come on. Like, there's no, no way you don't get these love. introductions everywhere that is you go. so much love. Like, honestly, like I feel pleasantly like overwhelmed in a positive sense by just how much love you've just showered me, showered me with. And I just want to point out that from the moment we walked through the door till the time we've got down here, I've just felt like I'm so excited to be here and so grateful to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it's, uh, it's exciting to be here with you. I've, it's nice seeing this space when I've been watching on the videos. And so, uh, as a follower and as a listener, I'm, I'm so, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. And congratulations on your new book. So when this airs, it's, it's out now. And I know it's good. Not that you do this to be a bestseller, but like, it's going to be again. But what I love so much about this is now you've you've turned what you're talking about to like what I think is like the most important thing. What what all of us as human beings, what we all strive for, what we all want to talk about, what we think about, what we complain about, what we love, like it's love. <laughs> That's like really at the end of the day what we obsess over. It's what we go to sleep thinking about. It's it's just, it's everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I said this to you also before we started recording, like when I see that, oh, there's a book on love and relationships, oftentimes I'm like, oh, well, is this for me? Like, 
because I'm married now. So it, it almost feels like I'm left out. Like, I don't get these books anymore because, well, I've done it. But as I read it, I'm like, oh, I feel like this is almost like even more mm -hmm. so for me because it's not just about finding love. It's you have the four ashrams in it where it's like um, I wrote them down, preparing for love, practicing love, protecting love and perfecting love. So it's 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 every stage in the process of love that. Yes. You need to learn about. <laughs> and I just think it's so amazing. And so this is a book. If you're listening, I don't want you to all of a sudden um, like turn off this podcast or be like, oh, well, you know, I'm already in a relationship, so I don't need to listen. You do. It's not just about finding it. It is keeping it. And it's also about how to, you know, once you've lost it, you know, so I want to get into everything. My favorite part. OK, this is my favorite part of the book. You focus so much on solitude and. A lot of people have asked me before, um, well, what is it about this relationship that is different? Like, because I was somebody who I was not the best relationship person. I would either go from relationship to relationship or, you know, feel like I needed to date someone in order to get over the previous one. And when I think about what made me and Bo different was that I had so much alone time. Mm -hmm. I took a really long break and I, I was reading everything that you were saying and I was like, oh my God, I didn't mean to. I wasn't like, I'm not going to like pat myself on the back and be like, oh yeah. Like I knew that like solitude was the answer. I just accidentally did. And um, I was wondering if you could go into, in, in your words, I know you've, you write all about it in the book, but why you feel like solitude is is so important before you get into a relationship. Yeah, so I'm I'm obsessed with how you're describing this book right now. I'm like, I wish everyone would just hear how you're describing the book. <laughs> uh, it feels feels really good for me. I was just saying to you, not a lot of people have read it yet, obviously, because it's not out yet while we're recording this. And so I I love hearing about how you've processed it and thought about it and been skeptical, and that that's an amazing process. So when I think about solitude. I'd like everyone who's listening and watching to reflect on how many days they've been single in their adult life. And chances are, when most people think about that question, it's not very long. Most people that I've asked that question to will say, maybe three months, maybe six months, maybe 12 months if they're lucky. But most of us are just going from relationship to relationship to relationship. I remember I started dating when I was 14 years old. And from 14 to 21, Chances are I didn't have that many gaps there until I chose to live as a monk for three years, which I did. And so the reason why solitude is so complicated or difficult and why it's so important is because the world has been set up to make you feel inferior, inadequate, and unworthy if you're single or on your own. And so even now, I know Valentine's Day is coming up. And for so many people, that day is just a reminder of how single they are. Mm -hmm. They dread that day. They don't look forward to it. They're not excited about it. They don't buy into the, you know, the glamour and the glitz of it. They actually are fearing it because it's a sense of, well, I don't have someone. And the yeah. idea that I don't have someone has become this feeling of I'm not enough. And that's how it's been broadcasted to us. If you look at any rom-com or movie in yeah. that space, it's like, especially if you're a woman who's single, it's like, oh no, like you haven't, you haven't figured this out or you don't know this about yourself. And so I think we've made loneliness the enemy. 
We've made being alone this scary place to live, and it's the last place you want to be. And so the reason why solitude is so important, Paul Tillich writes this, and he says that there are two words in the English language for being alone. You have loneliness and and solitude. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You have loneliness and solitude. But we only ever use the word lonely. Yeah. And loneliness, as Paul Tillich says, is the weakness of being alone. And solitude is the glory or the strength of being alone. And so what if being alone gave you time to understand who you were? What if being alone gave you time to understand what you deserved and what level of love you wanted to experience? And more than all of that, it reminded you that you have your own back. You will always be there for yourself no matter what. And there's a you before, a you during, and a you after every relationship. It's all you have. And so I think solitude's a beautiful time to learn about yourself, to understand yourself. They show that, studies show that when you get into a relationship because you feel lonely or because you feel alone or you're scared of that, three things happen. The first is you become more dependent on the other person. Mm -hmm. The second is you settle for less than you deserve. So you actually are able to accept a much lower standard. And the third thing is you find it hard to leave. And now I'm sure everyone who's listening and watching is thinking of all their relationships yeah, when they've watched into We them. all are doing, we're all tallying. Like, yeah. uh, How many have I done like that? And so, <laughs> that yeah. One, that one, that one. I want to help people not be in that situation. So that's right. why I present solitude. Well, I also think what's really interesting, and you, you wrote this, um, and I'm, I don't want to like butcher it, but it's a, it's a great point, is that when you're in a relationship with someone, you naturally start acting like them a little bit. You start liking things that they like. And I think that's that's great. That's normal. So if you were to go from one relationship to the next, you're not getting like that reset. Yes. Like you're you're not having time with yourself to figure out like, well, what is it that I I really, really like? And what is it that I really truly value because for so long I was, you know, going to these football games with this person on Sunday. And I thought that that's really was like my favorite thing to do. But turns out I don't think I actually like it that much. (laughs) Well, I I think it's really interesting what you said there, that so many people feel like they lose themselves in a relationship. And the truth is we never found ourselves in the first place. Yeah, We weren't really conscious and aware in the first place. So our personality became a mix of all these other people's personalities. And now when we look in the mirror, we think, well, that's not me. I don't even know who that is anymore. No, totally. Solitude is something that I am going to teach my daughter. You know what? When she wakes up from her nap after this, if she's awake, I'm going to be like, Hartford, something that we need to start working on right now is the importance of solitude, because I just think it's so important. And not just with everything that you just said, but also in your life's not, you might not always be mm-hmm. in solitude. And there's such a gift mm-hmm. in that and being able to live your life the way that you want to live it and not have to answer to anybody else and, and not have other responsibilities that a partner, a romantic partner might will bring on. And I just think it's a, it's a glorious part of life. Mm-hmm. Like notice how so much well I miss said. it. I miss it. <laughs> R.I.P. my solitude. <laughs> well, I hope, I, I, I mean, now you've got, you know, when, when you've got children, it's, ha- it's harder and harder and harder. So, so yeah, but, but I'm glad you miss it. It's good because it means that you have something healthy to go back to when you will have the time. When Bo dies. No, 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 no. <laughs> which, no, not at all. When, when she's at school and like when she's, 
you know, growing up and like, I think so many people that I've worked with or spent time with, they struggle to know what to go back to because they never had it in the first place. Oh no, I'll know. No, like literally like, yeah, I'll know. The second she goes to school, the second Bo passes away or something like that, if he goes before I do, like, I'll be like, oh, I got this. Like, I remember. Solitude. (laughs) I've been craving it. Oh my gosh. I hope I hope that's not the case. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. Same. Okay, knock on wood. Yes. Whatever. Whatever. Yes. Okay, so after the solitude part, yeah. then you kind of enter the the dating portion of love. Mm-hmm. And you're really big on taking it slow. Mm-hmm. This is another thing that people people often ask me. They're like, well, what was it like when you first met Bo? Was it like love at first sight? Did you have a spark? Like hoping that I have this like really romantic story to tell them. And I'm like, no, like <laughs> it wasn't like we saw each other's Instagram profiles. I thought he was cute. He thought I looked like very high maintenance. So it wasn't going to work. We met each other. I thought he was interesting, but not love at first sight. And then yeah. we casually and slowly dated for like six months. What? until we made it official. And I think that we've all been raised Mm -hmm. to think that if you don't have this, this moment right away that makes it special, like a story to tell other people about your love, then it must not be right. And that's so not the case. And I still have friends that really good friends who are, you know, in their forties who say, Oh no, well, I, I'll know right away. And if I don't feel this way about them, that, that like love that, that really intense romantic feeling right away, then it's, I'm not going on another date. I'm like, you're an idiot. (laughs) You kind of are an idiot. And that's why you're single right now. Like, sorry. So can we talk a little (laughs) bit about your thoughts? First of all, I want to say how much I love that your love story, you're telling it It's so lame. No, 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 no. (laughs) It's so real. It's so real, right? You're like stripping it away. I think there's this idea that whenever we hear someone talk about their love story, they'll say, well, when you know, you know. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, that's great if that happened to you. But yeah. hey, here's, here's the truth of how me and when me and my wife first met. So the first time I saw my wife, I thought she was absolutely stunning and beautiful. She and is. I, was, I stalked I was, her. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, if you guys ever decide to have children, those children, I don't I don't want them to be around mine because mine will feel really insecure. <laughs> <laughs> if if my kids did that to your kids, that would make me very sad. So that I'm gonna have to have a word with them if they did anything about it. But but seriously, when I met my wife, I thought she was incredible. And if you asked her, she'd be like, eh, I didn't uh-huh. I didn't feel anything. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't feel anything. And like that's the reality, right? Like my wife, when she first saw me or first met me, she didn't think anything. And and I had this romantic, magical view in my mind. And so I love real love stories. Because I think they help us understand what love is really based on. And it's what you said. The reason why I recommend a slow love instead of a fast love is that a fast love stops you from making good decisions. Yeah. All the research shows we take three seconds to decide whether we're attracted to someone or not. It's so crazy. Imagine if you're basing whether you should spend the rest of your life with someone on three seconds of information. We use like no information to make a really big decision. And you never get to realize that person could have been an amazing partner. They could have been an amazing friend. They could have been an amazing father, mother, whatever they could be. And you miss out on all of that because you've made a decision based on the tiniest piece of information or data. Totally. Or a feeling on a night. And people 
do that. My we friends do that. Do that. Yeah, and it's so the really stubborn ones really <laughs> piss me off because yeah. I'm like, you. if you would have been in my, they're like, I wish I had a marriage like yours. I'm like, you could if you stopped with what you're doing right now, saying that you need to have this, this amazing feeling right yeah. when you meet this person because mm -hmm. Bo and I didn't have that. So yeah. like, let me help you and they just don't listen and <laughs> don't i'm gonna listen. i'm gonna send this book to every <laughs> single one of them i want people to give more, people more of a chance like of course yes. if there's nothing you had in common of, and there's yes. nothing that worked out of sure I'm, I'm with you i'm not forcing you but you need to give it at least a couple of dates to figure someone out i don't think that in an hour together or less you figured that much out about someone and talking about what you were saying being married you've learned so much more of a, about your partner now mm -hmm. after you've been together for such a long period of time. Like me and my wife, I'm learning new stuff about her all the time. Yeah. And I feel like if she would have just said, no, I'm not interested in you, we wouldn't be here either. I know. And so I'm glad you gave me a chance. Right? <laughs> yeah. I feel you. You also make a really interesting point about, you know, people when they have checklists, mm. because checklists are, they're a good thing to have. Like mm. you want to have, you want to know what you want mm -hmm. in a person, but then you say like, okay, have these checklists, but it can't be something that you're totally just married to mm -hmm. because you're closing yourself off to so many different people that you don't even realize could be yeah. right for you. Could yeah. you explain that a yeah, little more, definitely. a little better no, 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 than no, no, I no. just did? So, so there's a few things with lists. The first thing is, if you're going to have a list about what you want in a person, make sure you give all of that to yourself first. So mm. if you want someone to be kind to you, be kind to yourself first. If you want someone to be loving and understanding, make sure you love and understand yourself first. If you want someone to challenge you, and help you become more of yourself, make sure you're doing that for yourself first. So yeah. whatever list you write down, first make sure you're giving it to yourself. The second thing I'll say with the list is most people's lists are pretty much the same. Good looking, <laughs> good sense of humor, <laughs> kind. Like, it's like really basic stuff <laughs> yeah. that everyone says. And so now when you actually compare your list to your friend's list, totally. it's practically the exact same We're thing. We're all so basic. Yeah, really basic. <laughs> it's, it's like how we all think. Like if I showed you, if I mixed up uh, all the astrological uh, predictions and you read one, you'd think it was yours, but it could be a completely different month. And oh. that's kind of what our lists were like. If I mixed up everyone's list and gave it back, they'd be like, wait a minute, this is like, <laughs> totally. it has to be mine. And so the reason why I'm saying that is, A, we're basic, yeah. as you said, in, in your words, in your words. Uh, B, we have a very limited understanding of what makes a good relationship. So when you start looking at things that make a good relationship, it's actually how you deal with conflict. It's how people deal with stress. It's how people listen to other people. Mm -hmm. None of these things can be figured out on day one, day two, or day three. Yeah. These things take time. And also they're not things you write down on your list. Yeah. Like they're, they're just not the things no, that No, I know. Like up. never in my life <laughs> was I like deals with conflict well <laughs> and fights well. Like yeah, yeah. wasn't on the list. And doesn't get stressed out. Doesn't get stressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know. But those things are very important. Yeah. Exactly. ridiculously I would say and we're oh, we will eventually get to the whole fighting style thing yeah. like I will say that one of the things I love most about my husband is the way we fight I mean there's no good way to fight no one likes fighting like yeah. it's not like the most fun but as far as the way we do it together mm -hmm. I really appreciate the way he fights with me 
Never would have thought to put that on my list as something, <laughs> but that's another thing that I will teach my I'll teach Hartford. I'm going to say like, find someone who you feel fights with you well, because it's so important to problem solve. Yeah, totally. And most of us are looking for the person that we're going to avoid conflict with. Yeah. So we're thinking, oh yeah, as long as we don't fight, things are going to be great. And so on our list, we're writing things like easy to get along with. Uh But really what we're talking about is honesty, transparency, openness. And the other thing about lists is this, we often write those things but then when someone actually is honest with us, yeah. we're so unhappy with their honesty. <laughs> like I've, I've known people have come to me, like whether it's been clients or, or friends or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, so he told me that he really struggles with this and I'm really mad at him and I'm really upset. And I'm like, well, he was honest with you. Like you wanted someone to be honest with you and people's honesty may not always be digestible. Yeah. But hey, let's give them credit for being honest with us rather than us finding out another way. So I think our lists are very limited. So it's not that you shouldn't have one, but just know that a human being is so much more than a list. Right. Don't totally. And you just touched on conflict where thank you for saying this. You were like, um, conflict is something that, that, that gets a bad reputation. Mm -hmm. Um, all couples fight and they should fight. Mm -hmm. Like we shouldn't be striving for a relationship where there is no conflict or arguing because then you're, just in a surface level situation where you're just sweeping everything under the rug. Yeah, well, I think it's unnatural. Like sometimes we have fights in our head, right? Our own battles with ourselves. Oh, all day long. So as soon as <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to tell me about this later. But but imagine as soon as you add another mind there, another yeah, person. It's I have just, that one yeah, mind to two minds. Two minds. <laughs> it's so natural that you're going to have disagreements, you're going to have debates, and you're going to have discussions. Now the truth is. I'm not condoning or encouraging abusive, manipulative, violent arguments. But where... sometimes a little manipulation is fine, right? <laughs> I mean, I have to manipulate a little bit. No, <laughs> Every no. now and then. Wow, like I, I almost said yes because you're so convincing. I was like, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're, you, know you're what, allowed, maybe, yeah. you seem like you'd be a nice manipulator. <laughs> like, like, uh, you, you're allowed, but no one else is listening. No, you should not manipulate. Uh, I'm, I'm recommending that. If you're in a relationship, you are going to argue. And now some of us argue ridiculously about tiny things. I don't want that. But there are certain big things that we argue about. But here's the thing before arguments. We usually argue about things because we never had conversations about them. Mm -hmm. We never made agreements about them. The three things that people argue about the most are money, chores, and children. Mm-hmm. And most people never that ever That is talk- literally the most accurate thing I've ever right? heard. No, like real talk. All right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Money, chores and children. And it's that we never talked about how we wanted to save, invest or spend our money. We never talked about what is our philosophy on raising children. We never talked about who do the chores or if we did, we never thought about contingency plans and what happens when the dishes have been left there. Or we never talked about the detail of no, 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 the dishwasher has to be done front to back, not back to front. (laughs) And it's it's like we have arguments over like, do you put the cereal in first or the milk in first? You know, it's like those are the kind of arguments. So wait, hold on. I I know uh, you wrote about the the milk and the cereal. (laughs) There are people out there that actually do the milk first. Yeah, they're weird. Yeah, I've never <laughs> met one person that's done that. That is, that's, that's, I just thought you made that up. Uh, no, no, no. There are people that do that. You don't know anyone who does that? Literally not there one. There are a thousand percent people out there. It's, I, I don't have the statistics on it, but there are people who put the milk in first. Milk I'm looking in first? around the room. Hell no. 
No. Don't okay. lie. Elena, you're meant to help me out here. I was like, which one do I put first? No, no, no. There's definitely people then, who put the milk then in it's first. Then like, it's like milk with a cereal floater. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it just, that just does not make sense. Okay. I hope I didn't sidetrack no, you. No, you did it. You did it. You did it. But, but anyway, I, I guess the point I'm making is that arguments are natural. They're going to happen because you have to have uncomfortable conversations. Most people who are not arguing with their partner could be suppressing something. Maybe they're scared of raising it. And that's what's really interesting, that if it doesn't come out in the form of a healthy conversation, it's going to be unhealthy inside of you. Right. And so that's when it comes out five years, 10 years later, and someone says, oh, well, I've been dealing with this. I'm really upset about this. And the other person is surprised. They're blindsided. And so we break, you speak about in the book, three fight styles, which mm-hmm. changed the way me and my wife argue. So me and my wife argue about so many things. We used to argue about everything from cleaning through to our expectations inside the house through to like how we spent our time. There were so many things. And then I started to realize that every time we argued, I saw a pattern. Mm -hmm. And the pattern was every time we argued, I wanted to talk about it right now. And I wanted to discuss it. And I wanted to talk about the facts and I wanted to lay it all out. And my wife just wanted to go in her room and ignore me for maybe two days. Yeah. And so I started to realize that in the beginning, I thought, well, maybe she doesn't care about me. Maybe she doesn't care about the relationship as much as I do because I'm standing here and I want to solve this. Yeah. If she's walking into that room, that means she's walking away from the solution. That's what I would think. And then I realized that she just needed to decompress, to digest, to reflect so that she could come back. And actually what I realized is that I did want to talk about it right now, but I potentially was too heated or too confused to actually have a healthy conversation. Right. And so I learned that I'm something I call in the book a venter. My wife is the hider. I'm the other one. And the third is the exploder who mm-hmm. wants to talk about their emotions and talk about that. Now, yeah. I just want to point I just want to point out none of these are good or bad. None of these make I you better. I would say the exploder isn't the best. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't if we had to rank them. Um exploder would be last. No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all because it's something that it's how you express your emotions. And the point is not that this solves the argument, but the point is when you understand your partner's fight style, you don't see their behavior as a sign of a lack of love. You see it as, oh, I understand that that's what you need to do to process. Yeah. But now let's build healthier habits about giving each other time to process. So one of the things I'm recommending is don't just have fights when they happen schedule conversations you know yeah you said that that's hard it is hard how because especially for someone i would imagine like you and someone like me (laughs) um where you just want to get it out and you just or you're feeling something and you're feeling heated and you just want to just yeah like get out your feelings talk it through solve it right away like i can't stand when we sit on something like i feel it all in my body. I feel like my blood change. I feel like I honestly think that like my DNA starts morphing into something else because like not solving something, it's torture for me. So like how can you someone like me or someone who 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 doesn't know how to just like schedule a fight, put your emotions on the back burner. Like, how do you suggest I do that? So my point is, and I think we're actually on the same page. My point is, is that if you've got to a point where your blood is boiling and your DNA is morphing or whatever happens inside (laughs) of you. Like turning into like a Hulk. Yeah, like, right, right. That's what's (laughs) happening. You're going green and like, you know. Uh But if that's happening to you, chances are you have been sitting on it 10 times before that. If your blood's boiling... I'm guessing that there's been three times where you've actually stopped yourself from talking about something. 
I don't consider you or anyone in the world to be someone whose blood boils just at anything and everything. If you're maybe, or maybe I'm in the wrong room. I'm in the wrong room, everyone. I'm in the wrong room. Uh, but but usually my point is that there's been some buildup. There's been some pain that's been suppressed, that's been collected. Yeah. And now it's erupting. And so my point is, instead of that first time where you go, oh, it doesn't matter, right? That's what happens. Someone does something you don't like. And the first time you go, ah, it's all right. Second time it happens. Oh, God, I'm frustrated. Yeah. Third time it happens. All right, I'm going to show them, right? So it gets, it escalates every time. You're right. And my point is that first time, that's when you schedule the conversation. Really? Stop letting but then it build we, up. Would, we would be having conversations scheduled all day long. Really? Right? That many things? Well, I just feel like I'm, you know, I'm particular. <laughs> <laughs> I have been talking about liquid IV for like, five years now. Um, I said this before, when I decided to start my podcast up again, uh, Liquid IV was at the top of my list for sponsors that I wanted to have again, because I legitimately use Liquid IV multiple times a day. If you don't know what Liquid IV is, it's a hydration multiplier. So like in just one um, stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than just water alone. So it's a little pack of, of like particles that you put in your water, you shake it up, and you're basically drinking two bottles of water instead of one. It's fantastic at the end of the night if you've been drinking, like zero hangover if you drink liquid IV, um, if you're working out. Also, when I go on any airplane, I have to have a bunch with me. When I when I went to Europe for my wedding, I had to buy like one of the big packs of liquid IV to put in my suitcase because I'm like, I will not be able to function if I do not have it in Europe. Like I just, my body will start to short circuit. I am just obsessed and it makes drinking water just so much more pleasant because I love all the flavors. My favorite is passion fruit. And I just started um, doing the tropical punch one and I highly recommend that one as well. So instead of just drinking water alone, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. So it's just so freaking good for you. So grab your liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Stasi at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Stasi at liquidiv.com. Well, the good thing is that if you're having the conversation, you're going to avoid a full-blown argument. But totally. by the way, it would be better to have 10 conversations up front and avoid one huge argument because the things that are said in those heated arguments Agreed. are things you can never take back. Agreed. And, and again, that's why I do think finding your fighting style and, and fighting well is so important because I've been there in relationships where the way that I used to fight, it's like you say so many horrible things that they're once you've said them, they're said. they're said. And then you like set the precedence that like, well, every fight after that has to be, I got to get them even harder or yeah. something because, or or at least match that one. But there's, there's no turning back. I feel like once you've crossed that line. Yeah. Because now you feel you're down in the first quarter and then now yes. in the second quarter, you know, like, oh, I'm going to beat them in the second quarter. And it turns into this really unhealthy competition. Yes. And I just, I really just don't want people to, so me and my wife came up with some agreements for ourselves when we are, when we argue and when we have a fight. So the first one is we don't raise our voice at each other. If, if we can't say it in a quiet tone, in a healthy mm -hmm. tone, then 
that's going to push each other away. Yeah. Right. You only shout at someone because you think they're far away. And so if you're emotionally far away, that's why you're shouting. Right. And it's like, well, no, we're not. We're a team. We're going to figure this out together. The second thing is we try not to use abusive language or swear words. And the third one is that we're going to make sure that we don't throw around the word divorce or breakup. Like we don't just throw that out there anytime you feel like it, because that is such a threatening language Mm -hmm. that you're threatening this incredible thing because of one thing that's going wrong. And so when you start saying too much of what you don't mean, chances are that you're pushing that person away so far. And so I think setting these agreements beforehand when you're not fighting just helps you have guidelines. And that doesn't mean that we're perfect and we don't raise our voice. It just means that you have something to come back to. Yeah. No. And you've also said, you say that, and this is something I'm going to try and remember when I am fighting, (laughs) fighting with Bo, is that I, we shouldn't be making each other the enemy. Like to, you say that your wife admits that she fights to win. Yeah. Like I do too. (laughs) And it shouldn't, I shouldn't be fighting that way because it's the point is to fight together to solve the problem. Like the problem is the enemy. Yes. Not your partner. Yeah. If your partner is the enemy, that means if I win, you lose. We both lose because we right. live in the same house and we have a kid together. No, that's so true. It's, so messed up. it's like if the other person loses, yes. Like I still like if we're in a, an argument and Bo loses, I win. And like, I feel great for like five seconds of being like, won that one. <laughs> then I'm like, well, where do we go from here? Yeah. Like, well, that didn't solve shit. Yeah. Like now he's upset. Now he's feeling down. Now I feel his soul like a little <laughs> bit crushed. And like, that's not like a great energy for the rest of us. That's not a great energy like to be walking around in this house to have somebody who feels like the loser in the situation. Exactly. It's just so much easier said than done, I feel like, than being in the moment. I mean, I'm going to really try and tell myself this yeah. in the moments. Yeah. But well, we're just going to play this in the speakers this episode <laughs> loud in your home so that every time you come with a fight, just have a little alarm that just goes up with this moment. No, true. Where you just said true. how you feel. True. No, but seriously speaking, what you just said is like, we often say things not thinking about what it means to live with that after we said it. And so in your home, you just said something really special where it's like, you know, after I say it, I win for five seconds. And then after that, I'm around the energy. My child is around that energy. My family's around that energy. I have to go to sleep with that person and wake up next to them again yeah. with that energy. If we actually thought about that before we said anything, I promise you, you change what you said. And one of the big things that I've learned is that we need to learn to explain our anger, not express it. And I think when you explain how you feel, not just express how you feel, Mm -hmm. the other person is more likely to be able to change and actually help you as opposed to if you just express it, now they're on the defensive. Totally. And they're going to express their anger. And so explaining how you feel, not just expressing it, is such a healthy way to actually be a team. Yeah. No, you're right. (laughs) And I really just love how you say in when you're in a relationship with someone, you're each other's guru. Yeah. There's a lot of of learning and teaching that that goes both ways. And specifically where you said when there are moments that you feel like you're annoyed with your partner, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's like they don't clean the way that you want them to or this is what they choose to do with their day. And it could be anything that is an opportunity for you yourself to learn about what that says about 
you. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everything is an opportunity to learn even. So it's not about when you say someone, you know, your partner is your guru. It's not like, oh, they have to be the smartest and the most wise. That's not it. It's just everything is an opportunity to learn something about them or yourself. Yeah, I think we walk into relationships with an imprint from our parents and our background, and we assume that that's the right way. So maybe in your family, you had a Sunday roast every week, and then after that, you watch the game together. To you, that's an average Sunday. Mm -hmm. Now, for your partner, maybe on a Sunday, they were working, and they they saw their parents working, and they were doing that because they had bills to pay or whatever it was. Now your partner's habit on a Sunday is that they want to work mm-hmm. and your habit is you want to have brunch or whatever it may be. Yeah. Now, neither of you are right or wrong. You're just carrying the pattern that your families had into your home. And you've both never sat to think, is that what we want to do on a Sunday? Your partner's never sat down to think, do I really want to work on a Sunday? And you've never sat down to think, is all I want to do on a Sunday, what's the game or do I want to do something else? And so I think if we don't reflect on the patterns we adopt from our families and our parents, we just repeat that pattern again and again and again until one day someone realizes that that's not the life they want. And so I would ask everyone to question, is how you do things the way you you want to do do them? Or is that because that's how your mom did it? Or that's how your dad did it? Or that's how the family you grew up with did it? And so many of our habits, like I talk about in the book, just a very simple example of in my house, we had dinner hung out, and then cleaned up. In my wife's family, they had dinner, cleaned up, and then hung out. Yeah. And so when we would have friends over at our house, I'd be hanging out with everyone. My poor wife alone would be cleaning the dishes and washing up. And I'd always say to her, I'd be like, I'll do it afterwards. Like, I got this. Don't worry at all. Like, you've, you've been working hard today. But it took us ages to get on the same page about that because she thought she had to do that. And I thought I had to entertain our guests and hang yeah. out. And then we found our own rhythm, which was new. And so rather than just taking what your parents did, you go, what do we want to do together? It is so crazy that relationships, that any relationship works out when you think about it. It's like we are all raised in a complete, no two people are the same. We all have our own crazy issues. We're all raised differently, our own impressions Mm -hmm. and have our own patterns. And the fact that two people are able to come together and like live together and like do things together all the time without killing each other. And (laughs) on top of that, loving each other. It's so impressive. It is. Human beings are very impressive. Very, very. And that's what makes love such a aspirational thing, right? Like we want that kind of love because it is so rare. And so we shouldn't be surprised if it doesn't work out. We should be grateful if it does. Honestly, we should. Yeah, we should just be more surprised that they are working out. Absolutely. Like, you know, if if I would say to anyone going through a breakup, don't be surprised. Yeah. (laughs) Don't be surprised you're going through this breakup. I wouldn't say that if you just went through a breakup. But but yes, I get the point. I know what you're trying to say. (laughs) Well, we can also get into the whole the whole breakup part of of relationships, um, because I know that I'm guilty of feeling like. I had what in breakups, I would have to do something to get over that person. It was all about getting over that person. Mm -hmm. And if that meant like dating new people or or whatever it was, that seemed like the only thing. And I never focused on myself. Mm -hmm. And you talk a lot about how when you're going through a breakup to instead of focusing on that other person, because this makes sense. You know, if someone has hurt you or broken up with you, why would you think that that's the person who can heal you? Yeah. It's, that's not, 
I mean, technically in your brain, you're like, yeah, that makes the most amount of sense. Why the fuck are we all doing <laughs> this crazy shit pining af- like after the person who broke up with us? But you also say to focus on yourself and how what you have done and how you contributed to the place where you got, whether that means you <clears throat> rushed into this relationship and we're just looking for something that, you know, was lusty and and you committed real fast and you you didn't you didn't think through everything yeah. or, or go about things properly. Whatever it means to focus on yourself. Will you explain that a little yeah, more to yeah. people who are going through breakups out there? Because it's really <clears throat> hard to say, like, to not say, I need to get over this person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so First of all, I want to validate the feeling that breaking up chemically is likened to detoxing from cocaine. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And I was like, right. whoa, and, and that's, that's crazy. And that's what's happening. So if anyone's Any drug that, or just cocaine? What about like Xanax? The, the research is cocaine. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could try it with Xanax and figure it out. I have no idea. But uh, just like I've had to detox from Xanax before. So you know what that feels like. Yeah. So yeah. I was just trying to save. But I guess <laughs> according to this, we all know how it feels like to detox from cocaine. Okay, I guess so. Yeah, every breakup. It. So I've detoxed from cocaine. How many breakups have I been through now? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I just want to validate that feeling because that is literally what you're going through and that it can feel like that. It can feel like it can also feel like a punch in the gut. It can feel like your heart is actually breaking because there's a part of you that was linked to that person that is breaking. So all of that's very valid. And I don't want to take away from what anyone's going through. But at the same time, we're obsessed with our exes. We're obsessed with the right? people they didn't work out with. 70% of people still follow their ex on social media or look at their profile way too much, too often in their own words. And so there's this psychological thing that we have of like, are they happy? What happened? Who are they with? Yeah. Like there's there's a kind of excitement and stress that goes with that. I even stalk Bo's exes. Right. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. How does that go? How does that work out? Um, it normally makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love it. How, so wait. So they're on they're on speed dial too. Like you check it no, out. I don't know them. No. <laughs> I've never met them. Um, any, so if any of them hear about this, they're going to think I'm a major weirdo. But guess what? I am. I'm yeah. a major weirdo. <laughs> we need a new research study just for you. Because, yeah. <laughs> so far, all the research is about you stalking your own exes. But now there's you stalking your partner's exes. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Uh, I, I think that when it comes to breakups, all of our energy becomes about that person. Yeah. It all becomes about we're like, well, they were amazing or they were good or they were the worst or they were bad. How do I get over them? Are they over me? It's all about them, 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 them. So you're taking all your energy and you're pushing it towards someone who's just moved away. Yeah. Instead of redirecting that all back towards yourself. And I think that at one point when you are ready to reflect back and go, wait, where did we go wrong? What did we do wrong? Did we, as you said, fall in love too fast? Did we rush into it too quick? Was I allowing myself to be fooled or taken for a, you know, taken for a ride because I didn't actually check things. I think what's really interesting is a lot of people realize when they finally get broken up with, there were like seven red flags mm-hmm. that they ignore. There's more than that there's, normally. There's more than When that. I look back on all the relationships that I got out of, I'm like, what the fuck? How did I even last that long in those? But we do because we're infatuated because we're so into them. We we let the halo effect win us over. And for those yeah. who don't know the halo effect, it's the idea that this person has one quality that you find attractive. They're good looking, so they must be trustworthy. Mm-hmm. They're uh, smart, so they must be organized at home. Mm-hmm. Right? We start giving them these qualities, thinking that they have it all. 
And so that's why you should be taking that lesson and going, well, next time I'm in a relationship, I'm going to let someone earn my trust. Yeah. I'm going to let someone earn my attraction. I'm going to let someone earn that. I'm not just going to throw it away on them. And so breakups are painful. There is no ideal words. I think, I think the biggest thing that breaks us in a breakup is that we don't know why it happened because most people won't go into detail and won't tell well, us. Because I think that normally it's, it's quite painful to hear. It's, it's normally that like people are like, I fell out of love with you. I just wasn't interested in you like that anymore. Yeah. I wasn't attracted to you anymore. Like those are very painful things to hear yeah. because like what, what else is, what else is there to make someone, that's normally what it is. So yeah. we're all sitting around wondering when you're going through a breakup is it's like, you're feeling like, well, no one could be attracted to me or, or no one could fall in love with me or, or remain in love with me. Like yeah. it's all of those feelings. And that's, it's, it feels impossible to get past those, which is why there's like this unhealthy, you know, way of, of dating where you just go to the next relationship. And yeah. I used to do that. Yeah. Solitude. So important. You guys <laughs> don't do it. Don't do that. Don't jump from relationship to relationship. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it's, you know, when, when someone breaks up with you, it's important that you don't let that break your self-esteem. Yeah. And the reason why we break our self-esteem through a breakup is because we amplify one person's experience with us to 8 billion people on the planet. So if this one person doesn't think I'm lovable, then I'm not lovable by anyone. If this one person doesn't feel I'm attractive, then I'm not attractive to anyone. So yeah. we let someone's belief or someone's opinion hold so much weight in our lives that isn't around anymore. And so I think one of the biggest things that I encourage people to do in a breakup is to when they're ready, find something, a challenge that they want to take on. It could be a physical channel challenge. It could be a mental challenge. It could be a new hobby. It could be a new idea. It could be a new uh, career path, whatever it is. Because I find that what we've forgotten is how strong we truly are. Mm -hmm. We've forgotten just how much potential lies within us. We've forgotten about how many hard things we can do. And it's almost like when you start doing that again, you go, wow, I've actually got so much more to offer the next person I'm with. I'm not just going to run to the person who makes me feel safe again. Right. And you know where you can do that? In solitude. <laughs> you, I think like the answer to everything, everything is solitude. solitude. Literally. I just think it's just so important because yeah. like really that is where you learn about your, yourself and it it is where you feel the strongest mm -hmm. and the most empowered and the more that you're like, the more like you're not going to take any shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're not going to go back to someone. Correct. Who's going to make you settle for less than you deserve, yeah. right? Because you know what you deserve. And that's the problem that if you don't spend time in solitude, you actually will accept anything. Yeah. And I think a lot of us do. A lot of us just accept anything. Like anyone said, I look good. Okay, I'll take that. That's better than nothing. Yeah. Oh, that person thinks I'm smart. I'll take that. That's better than nothing. And so we trade away, you know, all of our beauty, power, strength, everything we have for so little mm -hmm. because we value ourselves so low, right? We devalue our own selves. And so we ex accept such little value for who we are. And there's this beautiful story that I love to tell because it, it really represents the idea of a breakup most effectively. Uh, and it's the story of a uh, young girl who finds a stone in her home and she runs up to her father and she says, look what I found. Like, it's really beautiful. And she says, how much is it worth? And her dad says, well, I want you to sh go around town and show it to three people and ask them if they'd buy it for you. 
And when they say, how much it is, is it worth? Hold up two fingers. So she runs to the baker and the baker says, how much is it? She holds up two fingers and the baker says, oh, two dollars, I'll take it. Then she runs off to the jeweler. Mm-hmm. And when the jeweler ha- asks her how much it is, she holds up two fingers and the jeweler says, $200, I'll take it. And then she runs to the antique dealer and the antique dealer says, how much is it? She holds up two fingers and the antique dealer says, $2,000, that's a steal, I'll take it. And then she runs back to her father to tell her all of this. And the father responds to her and says, this is exactly what's going to happen to you in life. Some people are going to think you're worth $2. Some people are going to think you're worth 200 And some people are going to think you're worth 2000 And you know the truth is, you're valued at whatever you value yourself at. You could have sold that today for $2 or $2,000. There was someone willing to pay 2000 There was someone willing to pay 2 So don't devalue yourself in this lifetime. What a beautiful little parable that was. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I love that story because I just, I think that that's, everyone can relate to that feeling of having been valued at $2. Yeah. And because you've been valued at $2, you don't believe that anyone in the world would value you at any higher. But I promise you, there is someone who will. I can't wait to tell Hartford that story too. <laughs> Gotta write that down, print it out, frame it, yeah, put it in her room. Story. No, it really is. Yeah, I like it for a kid's story. Well, you also talk about karma. And you talk about it in a way that I haven't heard before, Mm -hmm. because normally karma, the way that I have always thought about it is like, you do something bad, something bad's going to happen to you, like it's punishment or something. And, you know, we always throw around the word karma. Everybody does. Like whenever you're in a situation, people are like, don't worry, karma will get them. Karma will get them. Like, will it? (laughs) Will it? Where is it? Where is karma? It will get them. You know, like it will will get them. (laughs) But you say, you explain it differently. And I could never put it as well as you do. So could you explain how you feel about karma and how it relates to relationships? So I was very fortunate to study karma deeply when I lived as a monk. And so I've studied it from the text that the word actually originates from. And the text is called the Vedas. And karma in a very basic level is what goes around comes around Mm -hmm. or that feeling. But then someone's thinking, well, I didn't break up with someone in a painful way. So why did I just get broken up with in a painful way? Karma doesn't make sense. And so karma is so much more than just action and reaction. Karma is what's the intention with which you got into that scenario or situation? What actions did you take? And what habits did you form? So for example, if you got into a relationship with someone, but you knew nothing about them, you only knew 10% about them, The karma of that choice is when you learn about the 90%, you may deal with the pain of that 90% that you didn't know about. But if you'd gone into that situation or relationship and you knew that person 80%, then your karma's on your side trying to help you out. So karma's not acting without you knowing. Karma's actually trying to help you understand, wait a minute, what's your reason for being with this person? Mm -hmm. What's your intention for being with this person? And now what's your behavior with this person? It's a cycle. It's a loop. And I find so many of us, like we got with someone because we were alone. We stayed with them because we just wanted to feel safe. And then when they left us, we're like, oh, but I, I didn't do anything bad to them. And it's true. You didn't do anything bad to them, but you just didn't know why you were with them in the first place. Yeah. And so karma is just trying to help us learn from our own mistakes. That's what it's trying to do. It's trying to say, well, next time get into a relationship where you do know them, where you do understand their past, where you are aware of how they deal with stress and how they manage pressure where well, you are aware of who they're, who they're like, not just in the one hour you go on a date night a week, but what are they like for like 
12 hours a day. Yeah. And so I think karma is just trying to get us to learn that lesson so we stop making mistakes. And we have to use karma in that way by reflecting back on our relationships and looking at the bad decisions we made too. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I've never thought about that before. Like yeah. when something bad happens to me yeah. and I think of the word karma, I've never thought, or let's just say in a relationship, if I've been broken up with or cheated on or something like that, I've never thought to go back mm -hmm. and be like, well, what was I, what did I do? What were my intentions going into this? How did I go into it? This that led me to this point where it's kind of like karma. Yeah. Of course this happened. Yes. Because I blindly started just dating this person because I thought they were hot and it would just like look cool. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, as simple as that. So, no as shit. That. I got or, cheated on. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I, yeah. And, and not that that's fair. Like that's the point. It's not that that's fair yeah. or that's good or that you deserve that. That's, that's not what karma is saying. It's just saying, hey, let's be more thoughtful about the beginning periods, the beginning stages and the choices. Let's just be thoughtful about that. So it's not that you or anyone ever deserves being cheated on. Like no right. one deserves that. But it is making us aware going, oh, I should have spotted the signs beforehand. Yeah, no, it isn't about being fair. It's kind of like yeah. this is just and I don't even know if consequence is the right word. Yeah. It's it's almost like, OK, two plus two equals four. Karma's four. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what did you do that was two and two? Exactly. You exactly. know, That's like a really good. I love that. Just, That's a great breakdown. <laughs> I feel so wise <laughs> right now. No, that's a really good example. That's exactly what it is. Cool. All right. Yeah. So like you just fully explained karma to me and now I got it, <laughs> nailed it. And I could go on, carry on and be able to explain it to Absolutely. the rest of the world. Absolutely. Beautiful. <laughs> so before I let you go, I do want to finish on something that I think is very important. And you kind of wrap up the book with this uh, about how we put so much emphasis on romantic love and we put romantic love on a pedestal that we're, we're overlooking and we're, we're not even paying attention to all the other love we have in our life that is oftentimes greater. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I feel like more people need to talk about that because yeah. it's not something I see people talk about very often. Everyone is so focused on romantic love. Mm -hmm. But can you tell me a little bit about did the rest of it? Did that idea resonate with you? I'm intrigued. No, it did because yeah. I, you know, I have a lot of friends and, and relatives that are single right now. And I think that we're all getting to this point in life, especially after COVID in 2020, where it's like, you know, being in a relationship is overrated unless you're you're with the right person. Mm -hmm. Like the idea of being in a relationship isn't as cool yeah. as it used to be. It used yeah. to just be like, we have to couple up. But now I think more people are catching on to mm -hmm. the fact that like, you don't have to actually, and you yeah. can have a very beautiful life without coupling up. And on top of that, all of the people that are in your life that are offering love and that you're giving love to, like they're, that's something that's so major. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, that was a really beautiful revelation that came from writing the book because I was thinking about it and I was thinking that my goal is always not just to love my wife or my family, it's to love every person I meet, even if that means showing kindness, even if it means sharing presence or being fully energetically wherever I am. There's ways of showing love to different people. And then I realized that when I spoke to people, the love that mothers had for their children or the mm. love that a father had for his brother or the love that a child had for their grandmother, like 
Oh yeah, my, that's a one. That one. The children with their grandmothers. Yeah. It's a good one. It's, it's unbelievable, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, like my wife, her favorite person in the world is her grandmother. Like, without same. a doubt. That was me and Bo. We yeah. both say the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, you look at all these really beautiful, deep, meaningful expressions of love that both people feel and they're not romantic love. Mm-hmm. And so media, movies, music has put romantic love as the sign of whether you're complete or incomplete. But then we're saying, what if someone loves their kids, loves their grandmother, loves their mom, is loved by their family, is loved by their team, their company, their community. Are we saying that they can't experience the same amount of love because they don't have someone? Or what about someone who was married for 30 years and their partner passed away? That hit. That, no, that, right? that, like, that hits because, yeah. Does that, mean- Does that mean it's over? And so for the rest of your life, you're not experiencing all that love can give you and that you can give. Exactly. And is there a hierarchy on love? Are we saying that romantic love should be more highly valued than the love you both had for your grandmother? Mm-hmm. Could you compare it? Should you be comparing it? And so I think we've blocked the idea that you can have so much love in your life. And yes, if you have a romantic partner, that's beautiful and that's awesome. And as you said, if it's not the right person, it's overrated. It's actually harder because you keep trying to squeeze love out of this one relationship rather than realizing you can experience love every day simply by expressing it with the people in your life. Yeah. And so I encourage more people to not downplay the love they have with their family or their friends or their best friends or their grandmothers, whoever it may be. And also remember that love's not something you only get at home. You can have good relationships in the workplace. I think so many people think, well, work is work. I can't love there. And I'm going to wait till have two hours of love in the evening, which means 12 hours a day, we're not experiencing love. Like I want to live a life where I can experience love multiple times a day. Yes, it won't look like it does in the same depth with my family. But even the small sprinkle of love from anyone that I meet, I felt positive love energy from you today, right? Like, and that's something that you can either sense and notice, or you can just pass it off as like, ah, that person doesn't really know me. They don't really love me. Or you can say, well, they love me for how much they do know me. Yeah. And I'll take that as love. See, I never would. I've never thought about it like that. And I think that is, that is such a tool to live a happy life. Yeah. To just have those moments where some, you know, yeah, if, if someone comes up to me and says, oh, I loved you on, I, I, I loved you on Vanderbump Rules. <laughs> or like, I love your podcast. I, I talk myself out of it yeah. a lot of time where I'm like, well, if they knew me, maybe they wouldn't like me as much. <laughs> oh. Or like, you know, you, I think it's human nature yeah. to kind of just be like, well, you don't know me. Yeah. So how could you possibly? But, but no, I'm not going to think like that anymore. I'm a part of you and that's beautiful. Yeah, right? like, totally. And, and yes, it's not the depth of the love you have for your grandmother, right. sure. But it's still something. And I think we're just waiting for someone to love us rather than realizing that love is everywhere. And that one thing I said earlier, which I'll just repeat if, if it got lost in everything else I was saying, was that every time you want to experience love, just express it. It's right yeah. there. When you tell someone you love them, Love is right there. Even when you're telling your kid you love them, they can't always say it back. But let me tell you about Hartford, though. (laughs) I smother that kid with love and it just pushes her. Like, (laughs) she's like me. I do this with my mom, too. It's there's something with daughters and their moms. Like, my mom, my mom gives me so much love. The most amount of love that I'm like, Mom, I don't want to cuddle. I don't want it. Like, Mom, stop (laughs) it. I'm not that touchy feely. But I am the exact same way. I am my mother. 
Yeah. With my daughter and I smother her. I tell her I love her like 88 times an hour. <laughs> I like ask for kisses. I give her kisses. I try to hug her all day, all night long. And uh-huh. she's starting to act the way that I do with my mom where she literally looks at me and she goes, no. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So what you're saying is if I'm, if I'm giving love, I'll give it back. Sometimes she doesn't. Yeah. I'm just saying. So now, <laughs> now, now, now hopefully after this, you'll call your mama. Mm-hmm. And send her some love. Does make me appreciate her yeah, a lot more. Exactly. It's like, I need to break that cycle. It's yeah. just, it's hard. Yeah. And you'll feel so good when you break that cycle. And it's great that you've even spotted it. I think it's incredible that you've even noticed. It's my karma. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. My, it's there my you, karma. There you go. That's what there it is. There you go. Well, Jay, this, <laughs> I'm telling you, this has literally been a highlight of oh, my so adult life. Thank you so Thank much you. for being here. You guys, you have to go get this. Eight Rules of Love. Look at that. Amazing. It's just going to be an iconic book that everyone's going to have on their bookshelf. And you're doing a world tour. Yes. Baller. <laughs> Very excited. It's okay. the first time I get to go on tour, going all over the world. It's, so what you're just I like, hope you come see me I on would tour. fucking love to. Yeah, I'd love for you to be there. So what are you going to do when you go on stage? So I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. It's going to be a full-on interactive experience, which means we're going to be getting people up on stage, maybe <gasps> connecting. Oh my God, my heart just like skipped a beat and I'm fell be, into I'm my butt. Be coming out into the audience. <laughs> like there's going to be a lot of connection, interactivity, experimentation at the event. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of high energy, a lot of fun. I hope people will find people they love there. I hope people will make new friends. I hope the people that will leave there having amazing conversations with the person they came with. Yeah. And so it's it's going to be something very special and different and never been done before. You're doing one in LA. I am doing two in LA. Two in LA? Yeah, Do you know what LA. dates the LA ones uh, are? I don't know, but I'll get Elena to check for a second. No, like, I have must, to go. And I also get I really shy with interactive experiences. I won't bring you up. Don't bring me I up, bring but like up. I want to go there and I want to just like feel the yeah, feelings. Yeah. We'll be doing meditation together. Do the work. Group, like, I want to do it. I just can't go on stage. I'll literally, I'll vomit. So I'll pick on you as soon as I see you. I'll be like, yeah, there we go. LA. March 8th and 9th. March 8th and 9th. Yeah. In LA, yeah. Perfect. I'll, I'll pretend I don't know you that day. I'll be like, we don't know each other, right? Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> oh my God, like I, my, my blood would run cold. If I'm not in charge of the situation, like I've toured before, but of for course. my podcast. Of course, of so like course. if I'm not in control, I get so nervous. Like I yeah. sh- like full blown shake. Yeah. But yes, I will yes, be there. I will pick on you, I promise. Thank you. <laughs> and if anyone else wants to go, you have jshettytour.com and you can order his book, well, anywhere. But you also have your website. I wrote yes, it down. It's eightrulesoflove.com. Eight, rule, eight yeah. rules of love.com. And you yeah. can follow Jay at jshetty. That's two T's in there. Yeah, thank nice. you. Thank you. So much for Honestly, being here. This has been so fun. I've really enjoyed I'm this. I'm so glad that you yeah. enjoyed it because I really, this is like, this is life changing. Oh, thank you. And so you should sweet. just be so proud of everything you've done. Like you literally go into the world every day and make people happy and make people's lives better. Like that's your job. That's your career that you chose. What? It's like you can go to sleep and be like, I'm if there's a heaven or wherever the heck, like I'm fine in the afterlife. If there's an afterlife, like you're doing it. Thank you so much. Well, I'll, I'll be honest and say that, you know, when I started doing this for years, for 10 years, only like five to 10 people would show up. So I feel so grateful having done it for that long for those people and spent hours with them. And today, the fact that I get to do this all over the world, I live in gratitude every day because I never imagined that. I could do this full time forever with with the incredible amount of love and support. And it's because of people like you that I get to continue to be able to do it. So thank you so much, honestly. And uh, 
Thank I hope you. I hope we stay connected. I would love that. Yeah. Thank really you. Fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you guys for listening. You're welcome for this episode. <laughs> you are so welcome for this episode. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>